Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Robert Yeager and the Tao Foundation. How do you define forgiveness? Turns out the definition tends to be as different as every person. And that definition changes depending on where you are in the process, too. But there is one through line to forgiveness that I think everyone can agree on. I'm Kyone Wolf. On the next episode of Audacious, I talk about it with a best friend. That is a challenge to find compassion and understanding for the people who have uh, created harm. A pastor. Forgiveness is allowing that car that's parked in the parking lot of your mind to be towed away and you no longer have to think about it. A writer. Forgiveness is a skill, a way of preserving clarity, sanity, and generosity in an individual life. A beautiful question. And a man who had to get a full face transplant after getting hit by a drunk driver. And we hear ponderings on forgiveness from some of our audacious listeners. That's right after the news. Forgiveness is empathy. Forgiveness is not giving any more energy to something that holds you back. Forgiveness is the moment that my heart and my mind reach equilibrium. To me, forgiveness is silence. Forgiveness is changing the sentence from they did that to me to they did that to themselves. Forgiveness is really all about letting go of the pain and giving it to your higher power. Letting go is how you become lion meat. From Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford, this is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf. A lot of words mean one thing, right? But sometimes words mean two things, maybe even three. But the word forgiveness? Most people can't agree on what that word means. So if we don't know what it means, how are we supposed to you know, do it. To make it even more slippery, the definition changes depending on where you are in the timeline of being hurt, right? I mean, how you define forgiveness can be very different from the day someone blows up your life to 15 years down the line when the dust has long been settled. I'm at the early stage of pondering the definition and the utility of forgiveness. Last July... Nine months into our marriage, my ex-wife said over breakfast that she realized she wanted to pursue parenthood, something we agreed was not part of our plan from day one and something we reaffirmed throughout our relationship. It was shocking and sad for me in and of itself, of course, but also because growing up as a gay person, I never thought I'd be able to get married. And here I'd had it for less than a year, but... You know, I guess these things happen sometimes. No hard feelings, nothing to forgive, really. I told her I was proud of her for making this hard choice. I helped her move out, and the divorce went through. But then, and I'm leaving out a lot of details because it just makes the story even worse. Plus, I gotta save something for the memoir, you know? In November, I discovered some unsettling information, and she admitted that she'd been having an ongoing affair with the woman who was our friend and next-door neighbor. During a pandemic. So, currently, forgiveness is a word that 
tastes like blood in my mouth. Later in the show, I'll talk about the definition of forgiveness that I've found feels really right for me right now, and you'll hear a reading from and conversation with author David White about the word. Reverend Dr. Shelley Best tells the story of how she forgave her brother for spending her entire million-dollar inheritance. Robert Chelsea talks about whether or not he forgives the drunk driver who hit him and caused him to need a full face transplant. And you'll hear thoughts from audacious listeners on what forgiveness means to them. Recently, I was sharing some sorrows over tea with one of my oldest and best friends, Sarah Eyre. I knew we had to do a show about forgiveness when we were parsing through different definitions of the word, and they said that for them, forgiveness is taking the knife out of your own heart. Taking the knife out of my heart is understanding that regardless of the ills that were done, the evil that I see, the harm that I perceive, that each and every human being, regardless of what is happening, they are trying to do what they perceive in that moment as the best thing possible. That is a challenge to find compassion and understanding for the people who have uh, created harm in their lives and the lives of those that they care. Uh, that, that, doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that I'm like doing that work for, you know, a decade or so, and then I'm going out, writing some invitations and being like, hey, we had a super painful relationship and I'd love to have lunch. Because sometimes there are dynamics and just situations where people are not safe around one another. And that is not fixable. But that doesn't mean that you need to walk around feeling that knife in your heart that constant pain, you can release that. You can let go of that hurt. You can turn the anger that you have that these things happen into productive energy moving toward, I don't know, some legislation to make sure that these things don't happen or working in a charity to support the people that these things happen to, as opposed to thinking angrily or hurtingly mm. about the person who did it to you, because that's not productive. It's not doing anything but keeping you in that moment. Now you don't have to like go and, I forgive you, because how, how much does that really matter? That's not, that's not relevant. What matters is just not feeling that way, that pain anymore. And as we sit around trying to renegotiate our trauma, that's really all we're doing, is living in that pain. And I don't have time. Um, I only have so many days, and I just don't have time to sit around wishing and wasting time. <laughs> don't have time to waste time. No, I don't. There's only one direction, and it's forward. Only one way out of a hole. Stop digging. And I think it's important just to look at when you're dealing with someone, how hurt are they? How, and how aware of it are they? And where is their, where is their fear coming from? How old is it? What, what is their context? It's not always the context of you. What? Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. I know. I know. I know. Oh, it's so hurtful <laughs> to realize that maybe the trauma that you endured had nothing to do with you. Oh, that sucks. Oh, actually, that's a relief to consider. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. But um, yeah. 
It's complicated. That's a, that's a Buddhist perspective, not an American one. <laughs> <laughs> the big giant relief of it's not all about me. As a matter of fact, almost nothing is. So against the way I grew up. Oh God. So did we figure out forgiveness oh, yeah. for everybody? Oh yeah, no, Great. no, oh. I've, I've got it on lock now. <laughs> yeah, seriously, I'm gonna start giving courses. <laughs> Donation-based. Please bring muffins. <laughs> muffins are what muffins. I prefer. <laughs> Forgiveness muffins. Yeah. What flavor yeah. would that be? Um, actually, I'm interested to find out. So we're leaving it open. What <laughs> flavor are Forgiveness muffins? White chocolate chip orange. That's White mine. chocolate chip orange? Yes. Okay. All right. Orange mm. zest. Ooh, yeah. Orange zest for sure. I think for me, it's going to be an apple spice. Mm -hmm. Apple spice Forgiveness muffins. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> After this conversation with Sarah Eyre, I thought I'd ask some audacious listeners how they define forgiveness. And you know what? They did not disappoint. Forgiveness is not giving any more energy to something that holds you back. Forgiveness means moving forward and not revisiting the situation. And as I tell my kids, you dodged a bullet and it's their loss, not yours. I think that's very, very true in today's world because all the hiding behind social media, all the hiding behind crass talk, all the hiding in general. You couldn't hide years ago. Like I said, you have to forgive in order to let go and be better. And remember, you're doing yourself a big favor because you're so worth letting go and giving forgiveness. Makes you the... Uh, top dog, upper hand, etc. I think there's levels of forgiveness. Like, there's the level where you're still smoldering, but you refuse to or don't let what happened bother you anymore, and you're not hung up on it when you're going about your day. But man, don't bump into them at the grocery store. Then there's the level where you can actually interact with the person and not be shitty, but in your head you really want to be. Then there's the level where so much time has passed, it's like a waste of time to even have thoughts or get derailed. Maybe you've actually forgotten, maybe you haven't, but either way, it's a footnote. There's probably in-between levels mixed in there, and you're always allowed to go back and forth between them. It's not a linear thing. I don't know, maybe this is less about forgiveness and more about moving on. I've always preferred letting forget take care of any outstanding forgives. I define it like the dictionary. Forgiveness. Noun. The action or process of forgiving or being forgiven. When it comes to the process, that depends on the person and the situation. As you can see, almost no one sees it the same way. Some think it's for them. Others think it's for the other person. The core of it all, from what I'm reading here, is about grieving the loss, moving beyond the betrayal, and letting go of vengeance. It can be some grand, compassionate gesture, but it can also be it. This isn't worth my time. If that definition is accurate, you can even practice forgiveness without consciously doing it. Because when you find yourself no longer caring, it's happened. So with some reflection, forgiveness is finding that you have no more to give about it. Anything less than that wouldn't be full forgiveness. Just acts that aid in moving toward forgiving. 
Forgiveness is the moment that my heart and my mind reach equilibrium. It's my process, it's my timeline, and it's my end product. It's a totally selfish act, and it must be. I own it. To me, forgiveness is silence. It's nothingness. When we are wronged or betrayed, that feeling of injustice consumes us, and anything we try to do, it permeates everything. Trying to take a walk, socializing with friends, watching TV, even enjoying a cup of coffee. This distraction oozes into everything we do and it takes us away from life. In time, hopefully, whether it's a month or for some years, the chaos loses its voice, loses its power. The way I know I've forgiven myself or others is when my mind wanders back to some injustice and there is no chaos, no emotion, it's nothingness. This doesn't mean I've forgotten. It simply means the edges of anger have smoothed and the chaos is gone. The memory is quiet, like breathing. And maybe that's all forgiveness is, learning and waiting how to breathe quieter. Sometimes you have to give yourself forgiveness in moments, circumstances, and situations where you just can't get it. You can't have it. Someone can't give it to you. And not only can they not give it to you, they don't see any reason to actually apologize. And then you fall into these blanket apologies, these sorries with no understanding behind why they're apologizing. So you have to come upon some sort of closure for yourself. You have to close the book. I'm not sure forgiveness can always be given, but sometimes I think it has to be taken and given to yourself. It is about letting the wound heal. So when you touch it, it doesn't hurt anymore. But it reminds you that you are a stronger and better person because of it. El perdón. El perdón es dejar que la herida sane. Y que cuando la toques, no te duela más. Pero que te recuerde que eres una mejor persona y aún más fuerte por ella. You heard the voices of Celeste Ben from Los Angeles, California, Christian Kahar from Manchester, Jonathan Nathan from Royal Oak, Michigan, David Eric Zaker from New Haven, Lauren Incognito from Plainville, Eam, formerly known as Chad Brown Springer from the Greater Hartford area, and Leslie Giordano from New Milford, Connecticut. When we get back. I let go of the ideas of what my life would have been because I have gratitude about what my life is, and that's why I can truly forgive now. The point comes where the other person or the other entity or the other country refuses to change. And you find that you're being held hostage by your refusal to move on yourself and to create a greater context. A poet and a pastor on what forgiveness means to them, plus thoughts about forgiveness from a man who needed a full face transplant after a drunk driver slammed into his car. I'm Kyone Wolf. This is Audacious. Stay with me. You make me beg for forgiveness. You make me beg for forgiveness. I just can't stay in your presence.
This is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf. How do you define forgiveness? How does it define you? Reverend Dr. Shelley Best of Hartford has had her definition tested. About a million dollars was left in an estate in which her big brother was the executor. But as he struggled with drug addictions, he spent all the money. She said, I forgive you, because, you know, that's the Christian thing to do, but she didn't really cultivate any kind of meaningful relationship with him, even after he had 35 years of sobriety, till the pandemic came. So in the pandemic, when everything got quiet, I had time to really reflect on my life, and I really started to see who really cared about me in the pandemic. And my brother was one of those people that called me regularly to check in and see how I was doing, along with some other friends. And I realized he loves me. He really loves me. And I love him. He was my best friend. And he's done a good job. And then what I realized for myself, my brother, in many ways, probably saved my life. Because if I had had that million dollars as that 20-year-old Shelly, I would not be here today. I would not be a minister. I probably would not be living this incredible life I'm living because I might have been caught up in what would have happened to me as a naive person with a million dollars. And so I can say through the pandemic, my brother and I have grown closer. I love him. There is nothing left in my heart that I'm holding against him. I want the very best for his life. I let go of the ideas of what my life would have been because I have gratitude about what my life is. And that's why I can truly forgive now. Forgiveness is allowing that car that's parked in the parking lot of your mind to be towed away and you no longer have to think about it. And so for me, that's the lesson of forgiveness. I have a hard time figuring out how to think about forgiveness in the future, you know, when when things happen that you can't really prepare yourself for. I mean, that's that's sort of the crux of it. Like, how do you possibly front load forgiveness? Can you front load forgiveness? What I'm finding, and I guess this is the lesson of time, the gift of gratitude in your life when you are grateful for your own life right now, this moment, when you realize you have this opportunity called life, you're blessed in so many ways, you have people that love you, when you really can wrap gratitude around your life, then you can let go of these ideas that we had of what life would have been. When you realize that this moment is precious and good, that didn't work out, but I've got this amazing life. And if I don't celebrate it and enjoy today, then I've really lost in many ways. I keep being reoffended because I'm not living every day and I'm reoffending myself. Gratitude is the gift that allows you to have the fullness of life today. And forgiveness is a part of it. Let go. And my friends know that one of my favorite sayings is bless and release. We've got to bless and release. So it's like, bless you, I love you, and let it go. Heavy on the blessings and heavy on the release. (laughs) Bless and release. Well, Reverend Dr. Shelley Best, I'm grateful for you. Thank you so much. Kion Wolf, I'm grateful for you as well. Thank you. Reverend Dr. Shelley Best is the CEO of the Greater Hartford Arts Council. 
Now let's hear some more from audacious listeners. I asked people on the social medias how they define forgiveness. Here's some of what they sent. Forgiveness involves either acknowledging that the wrong has been righted or giving up one's claim to have that wrong righted. Hopefully, that step will also involve some kind of mental peace or clarity on the part of the aggrieved that allows him to move forward without the baggage that came with being wronged. I get the impression that this is what people expect from forgiveness. My suspicion, though, is that peace and clarity can come without forgiveness, and that forgiveness can come without peace and clarity. To me, forgiveness is when I reach my point in a journey of healing where I am able to see the other person who I felt wronged by as a flawed human being and recognize their humanity and that they make mistakes and are imperfect because I am done with the anger part of my own healing. To me, forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. It doesn't mean that I excuse what happened or that I would allow it to happen again, but it means that I reach the point where I've gotten what I needed to from the anger and I'm able to release that completely because I no longer need to hold it. Forgiveness is changing the sentence from they did that to me to they did that to themselves. When people hurt you, I don't think it's often because you're weak or ugly or insecure. It's because the person doing it feels weak or ugly or insecure. So when I think of forgiveness, I think of the act of letting go. So letting go of any resentment, any anger towards anyone that's done me wrong. And in doing so, you find freedom to just focus on more positive things. I also think about forgiving yourself for anything that you may think are shortcomings or your failures. When you do that, you're kinder to yourself and you won't look at yourself as a failure. Instead, you're you're learning from anything that you're doing. So just, you know, forgiveness is just, it could be looked at many different ways. Forgiveness is an abstract concept that people love to get all philosophical about and offer you endless platitudes. Letting go is how you become lion meat. I really do believe um, forgiveness is really all about letting go of the pain and, and giving it to your higher power, like as a gift. <laughs> here you go, <laughs> right? And really releasing it and, and just not letting it control you and make you feel a way about yourself. There is a saying by the Buddha that says, holding on to anger is like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. And I love that saying I love the idea in that and I do feel like it grounds me and helps me remember that when I'm angry and when I'm holding on to something that I'm the one that's suffering. I struggled with forgiveness for a long time, unwilling to forgive things that really are unforgivable. Learning that forgiveness is giving up the hope of having a better past helped me to see that forgiveness is an absolution. What was wrong is still wrong, but it is past. I can't change it, only my acceptance of it. When you forgive the betrayals, pains, and wrongs others have done to you, they don't hurt you anymore. 
you stop thinking about them unless you choose to recollect them. And when you do, all the emotional responses that were tied to the memories are gone. And oh, what a glorious feeling. But to forgive, you have to understand why the person hurt you in the first place. This isn't something that happens in the moment. Of course not. It's in the aftermath, when you're getting back up and dusting the dirt off yourself. You have to feel the rage and the anger and the hurt. You need those good cries first. But to truly forgive, you need to understand. Sometimes you'll never learn why, and it takes so much longer to get to the point where it stops hurting. Trying to understand why someone hurt you is hard. Oftentimes, you'll learn of something or someone that previously hurt them, an abusive parent or a past lover who stomped all over their sense of self. Hard, soul-wrenching things are often learned, and it makes your forgiving bittersweet. You want to stay mad and angry for a bit, but you also can't help but feel some kind of compassion. Forgiveness is empathy, and that, I think, is the best form that forgiveness can take. Those were the voices of Levi Lamaskey from West Hartford, Miriam Lexi from Holyoke, Massachusetts, Stephen Meese from Milford, Taixa Lanid from Hartford, L.B. Munoz from Hampton, New Hampshire, Andrea Hawkins from Hartford, Carol Carson from Boston, Massachusetts, and Barbara Cunningham-Vita from Bloomfield. After the break, what forgiveness means to Robert Chelsea, who needed a full face transplant after getting hit by a drunk driver, plus writer David White on what the word means to him. It not only refuses to eliminate the original wound, but actually draws us closer to its source. And I think I've figured out one through line that we can all agree on. I'm Kyone Wolf. This is Audacious. Be right back. This is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf. Today, forgiveness how we define it, and how it defines us. You've heard Robert Chelsea's voice on our show twice before. We heard his story about what it was like being the first African-American full-face transplant recipient after being hit by a drunk driver back in 2013 in Los Angeles. We had him back again for a show we did about what it's like being part of a diaspora, and he talked about being part of the disabled diaspora. He and his godson, Everick Brown, were recently in New Haven to meet with a new team of medical professionals, and I got to connect with them in person for the first time. Robert Chelsea. Wow. So good to see you. It's so good to see you, too. Wow. In real life. Yeah. How are you feeling? I'm good. Yeah? I talked with Robert about how I remembered that he told me a while back that he doesn't really factor forgiveness in when it comes to the guy who hit him. I asked, well, why not? I don't think about him. Do you think about the uh, uh, grocery store attendant when you went to the last time you went to the grocery store? Do you think about him? Or her? Why would I consider him? If I start thinking of anything or anyone, it's who I can get to to ask them to forgive me. If I just just spent any 
Tom, I try to be the most depressed person mm -hmm. to think of the people I have yet to be able to apologize to. Who has an idea of how many people I've caused to stumble or insulted just in my looks alone or caused to be afraid? I would like to apologize to them, but I don't even know who they are. If they would accept my apology or not, I, have, I wouldn't even know the proper way of apologizing that I would get the results that I would be looking for. And that's the way it is with me, so I have no concern about the guy that hit me or what happened to him. If the guy who hit you did get in touch with you and say, this has been on my heart, this has been heavy on my soul, I made decisions that day that changed your life and caused you a lot of hardship, including all the goodness that you've made of it. But I, I want to say to you, Robert Chelsea, I am so sorry. Will you forgive me? What, what, what do you think you would say? Well, if it's close enough, we're here now. We have a good time hugging. <laughs> I just might turn a backflip. I mean, who could have sweeter words? And the <laughs> irony is his first response would be, forgive you. You were forgiven way back when. And the beauty of it is, is think of the joy that his response would give him. But, you know, as I listened to you speak, Chelsea, the one thing I was thinking of is as humans, we spend a lot of time focused on others and not ourselves. And that's where you roll into judgment. And judgment says, you know, you created this and did something to me, and so now I'm affected, as opposed to if I was focused on myself, you'd be able to journey like he has, right? You're kind of clear yourself of, you know, these obstacles that we put in place. Like, what did he do to me? Who did? For me, when you start talking about forgiveness, what is it? Like most people would think it means I get rid of something or I release something. For me, it's I immediately go forgiveness, judgment, because for some reason right there to forgive or not to forgive has something to do with in the mind and the psyche judging. And if you're not judging, then you forgive immediately. Mm. You move on. There's nothing there to release. If we're focused on self, I don't need an explanation, right? Why would you do that? Like, why? When I could be concerned about myself. But it's all right, because it's all good. It's all good. That was Everett Brown and Robert Chelsea. We talked this past weekend in New Haven, Connecticut. We'll link to our other conversations with Robert and Everick at ctpublic.org slash audacious. David White is a poet, philosopher, and the author of Consolations, the solace, nourishment, and underlying meaning of everyday words. One of those words, forgiveness, is what made me want to talk with him. Here he is reading that selection from his book. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is a heartache 
and difficult to achieve because, strangely, it not only refuses to eliminate the original wound, but actually draws us closer to its source. To approach forgiveness is to close in on the nature of the hurt itself. The only remedy being as we approach its raw center to reimagine our relationship to it. It may be that the part of us that was struck and hurt can never forgive. That remarkably, forgiveness never arises from the part of us that was actually wounded. The wounded self may be the part of us incapable of forgetting and perhaps not actually meant to forget, as if like the foundational dynamics of the physiological immune system, our psychological defenses must remember and organize against any future attacks. After all, the identity of the one who must forgive is actually founded on the very fact of having been wounded. Stranger still, it is that wounded, branded, unforgetting part of us that eventually makes forgiveness an act of compassion rather than one of simple forgetting. To forgive is to assume a larger identity than the person who was first hurt. To mature and bring to fruition an identity that can put its arm not only around the afflicted one within, but also around the memories seared within us by the original blow. And through a kind of psychological virtuosity, extend our understanding to one who first delivered it. Forgiveness is a skill a way of preserving clarity, sanity, and generosity in an individual life, a beautiful question, and a way of shaping the mind to a future we want for ourselves, an admittance that if forgiveness comes through understanding, and if understanding is just a matter of time and application, then we might as well begin forgiving right at the beginning of any drama, rather than put ourselves through the full cycle of festering incapacitation reluctant healing, and eventual blessing. To forgive is to put oneself in a larger gravitational field of experience than the one that first seemed to hurt us. We reimagine ourselves in the light of our maturity, and we reimagine the past in the light of our new identity. We allow ourselves to be gifted by a story larger than the story that first hurt us and left us bereft. The great mercy is that the sincere act of trying to forgive, even if it is not entirely successful, is a form of blessing and forgiveness in and of itself. At the end of life, the wish to be forgiven is ultimately the chief desire of almost every human being. In refusing to wait, in extending forgiveness to others now, we begin the long journey of becoming the person who will be large enough, able enough, and generous enough to receive at the very end that absolution ourselves. Thank you. So how good are you at taking your own advice? Well, I'd say the record is quite spotty. <laughs> 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 I'm sometimes uh, I'm sometimes uh, better uh, in certain contexts than others, 
But I do believe I have learned through the years to begin the process much earlier than I, I allowed myself previously. And that essay is a testament to that understanding, to start to work along the axis of understanding. You can see, actually, how extraordinary Zelensky is, is understanding the need to fight in the moment, tooth and nail, against you know, the non-conversational powers in the world, while setting a context for forgiveness. He set up a whole apparatus to be in touch with Russian soldiers' mothers who were blindsided into the Ukraine. He set up by his speaking in Russian directly to Russians and understanding that they, they, sh they can share a future together. And uh, he touches a nerve in the Russian psyche. You're seeing massive resignations now in, uh, in Russian uh, journalism and the television stations, uh, people are beginning to understand, you know, that something has occurred which is deeply and utterly disturbing and which they deserve to be ashamed of. I always think forgiveness occurs when you change. You, know, you can't ask forgive for forgiveness if you haven't changed the behavior or become a different person than the person who perpetrated the hurt in the first place. All of us have hurt other people in our lives, unbeknowingly or sometimes quite knowingly, and, and taken a great deal of satisfaction out of it at times. You forgive yourself when you stop being that person who needs to do that in that particular context. And you allow the world to forgive you by letting them know that you understand that. You know, if you'd have lived, uh, if you'd been alive in Europe in 1946, just after the end of the Second World War, there would have been very few people who, who would have said it would be possible to forgive the Germans yeah, and the German people. And, but the Germans have changed and they've created quite a remarkable and generous uh, society. Everyone now recognizes that. And forgiving Germany is almost becoming a non-question, especially with their, their alignment, you know, against the uh, awful overreaching power of the Kremlin at the moment. So, uh, so will, the great question in forgiveness is uh, almost below will you forgive yourself is will you change first? Yeah. And will, if you need to forgive someone else, have they changed, you know? the point comes where the other person or the other entity or the other country refuses to change. And you find that you're being held hostage and held in your own form of imprisonment by your refusal to move on yourself and to create a greater context. So forgiveness might not look like my putting my arm uh, lovingly around what who had formerly been my en enemy, it may look like just creating a much larger context in which to understand them. I first heard your voice on the meditation app, Waking Up by Sam Harris. Mm. And uh, yes. I first discovered that app as I was going through a divorce, uh, which was very sudden, and later found out that there was uh, an ongoing affair. And um, yes. So having that app and figuring out how meditation fits in my life, what it does for me, um, because 
I, I get why people discover meditation for themselves in times of crisis, because you realize that your mind is now supercharged in the most uh, agonizing ways. And there's got to be a way to center yourself as this chaos is swirling around you, right? And so yeah, I'd like to hear from you what meditation has to do with forgiveness for you. Yes. Well, I mean, in the case of, you know, a broken heart and love, uh, what we're experiencing at a very deep level is not being wanted uh, in the way we want to be wanted. Part of meditation is, is undoing the voices on the periphery that say you're not wanted. Yeah. And dropping down to this physical experience uh, whereby the, you find the world, every part of the natural world is coming to meet you every second and acts as if it needs you. Yeah. Uh, this birdsong can't be heard without your ears. Yeah. Uh, this spring day can't be felt without your body being here. Yeah. And you could say that uh, the world can't feel its full, bitter and beautiful cry without your grief. Yeah. One of the strange understandings that comes through contemplation, yeah, which is really, a, it's, a, it's a very mild word for a, very, a state of very, very fierce attention and intentionality. Uh, but I feel that one of the things you, you start to understand is quite miraculous is that we're the only part of the universe that can be disappointed. Yeah. I don't know why I find that funny, but it's, exactly. it's kind of sweet. <laughs> I, I have another essay, another essay on disappointment, actually. <laughs> That'll be another show. Great. We'll have you back. Be helpful, yes. <laughs> And um, we're the only part of creation that can have our heart broken uh, and have a, a conscious knowledge of it. Yeah. I mean, animals have their heart broken on a kind of temporary way, but they, they can't contextualize it the way a human being can and extend it to an understanding of the heartbreak of others. Yeah. Um, we, I may be proven wrong on that in future generations, but... Uh, uh, whether or not there are a few animals that can do that or not, um, it's quite a unique experience. Yeah. So you start to understand that your own heartbreak is a kind of miraculous invitation into the very wellsprings of your own identity. They tell you what you wanted in your life and what you were disappointed by. And they really ask you to be brave in a way. Your heartbreak asks you to be brave in understanding that there's no courageous path a human being can take without having their heart broken. And uh, it's the willingness to do that that allows you to fall in love again, yeah. uh, or allows you to pick up your pen again when you were told you couldn't write, yeah. or when you, fail, you felt you failed. Yeah. There's no sincere path you can take uh, without having that imaginative organ atomized and broken apart. So we stop looking for a path where I'll be insulated against pain and grief and disappointment. 
And so you're willing to give yourself. There's lovely lines by Patrick Kavanagh. He was the working class poet that followed the aristocratic poet, William Butler Yeats in the Irish tradition. And he said, me, I will throw away me sufficient to the day. The sticky self that clings adhesions on the wings to love and adventure. To go on the grand tour, a man must be free from self-necessity. And if he'd been alive today, would equally have said a woman must be free from self-necessity. Me, I will throw away me sufficient to the day. The sticky self that clings adhesions on the wings to love and adventure. The sticky self that clings adhesions on the wings to love and adventure. To go on the grand tour, a man must be free from self-necessity. Self-necessity. What am I doing just out of rote? Yeah. I'm often keeping, this is a piece I wrote actually about, uh, I wrote it uh, after an hour in one of my favorite architectural structures in the world, which is a fishing house in an old monastic ruin over the river Kong on the edge of Connemara in Western Ireland. To break a promise, make a place of prayer. Whether you're religious or not, you know, you don't do this lightly. This is about spaciousness going deep. Yeah. You don't break a promise lightly. You have to understand where it came from. And to break a promise, make a place of prayer. No fuss now. Just lean into the white brightness and say what you needed to say all along. Nothing too much. Words as simple and as yours and as heard as the bird song above your head or the water running gently beside you. Let your words join one to another the way stone nestles on stone, the way water just leaves and goes to the sea, the way your promise breathes and belongs with every other promise you ever made. Now let them go on. Let your words have their own life without you. Let the promise go with the river. Stand up, walk away, have faith. So it's interesting, you know, I mean, when marriages break apart, it's interesting to think that you, the original promise you made is, has never been touched, actually. You just hung it on, on certain named possibilities. <laughs> One or two, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which you might have taken a little <laughs> too seriously at times. <laughs> Let that be a lesson to me, huh? Yeah. But what's tragic is when you let go of the promise that meant so much to you that you made. Um, what you were looking for when you made that promise. And the necessary innocence that's needed for a better future for yourself in that person who made the promise, who's still, still there. Yeah. David White. Thank you so much for this, for talking with me. Lovely. My pleasure. Kayon. David White is the author of Consolations, the solace, nourishment, and underlying meaning of everyday words. You can hear an extended version of our conversation in your podcast feed. Just look up Audacious with Kayon Wolf. The definition of forgiveness that I really like lately goes something like this. Forgiveness is when you realize that there's nothing to forgive them for, you know, because you made the most 
out of the deal. Your, your life wasn't blown up. It was blown open. Even in this early stage of the hard stuff I've been going through, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I already feel like who I am and how my life is going and will go is better than before everything happened. Because as grueling as it's been, it's also been an opportunity to grow into the bigger version of me, the, the one whose wisdom and balance are always there, have always been there. And now I know my intuition, my instincts, whew, they are on point. And I did not know that before. Because of all of this, my life is now more deliberately created. Oh, and that one through line about forgiveness that I think everyone can agree on? Forgiveness, it's relief. All these descriptions you've heard throughout this whole show, the only thing they all have in common is the seeking out of relief. So all this time, of course it's hard to figure out how to forgive. We can't even agree on what it means, but relief? When you picture your future, far away from this hurt, and you visualize yourself feeling relieved... Did you exhale with me just then? Forgiveness, I don't really know what that is. But relief is something we can work with. That's a place we can get to. And then when the next hard thing happens, you and the bigger you will have a little bit of a roadmap to find those feelings of forgiveness, of relief. Again, and again, and again. Audacious is lovingly produced by me, Jessica Severin Martinez, and Katie Talarski, with help from our fearless interns, Michaela Savitt and Sarah Gasparato at Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford. This is the kind of show we're going to want to do another installment of, so I'd love if you'd share it, and I'd love it if you'd send me your thoughts on forgiveness. Send a voice note or video to me on the social medias at Wolf, or email audacious at ctpublic.org. Subscribe to Audacious and you'll always get to hear the show a day early. You can hear them all at ctpublic.org slash audacious or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. And since I've had this song in my head the whole time I've been producing this show, you're going to have it in your head too. I beg your forgiveness. And the edges will scatter so I'm thinking about forgiveness.